What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. If you're one of my listeners that love the fun girl talk episodes that we do here on FML Talk, today is your lucky day. We are bringing you one of those, and it's a threesome. So sit back, grab a cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe us, Jay? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter 6 <gasps> He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. All right, y'all. Today is a fun one. I am joined by UA and Julie, who host the Dateable podcast. And I brought them on and we were like, let's talk dating. Let's talk relationships. And we ended up just shooting the shit and laughing our asses off the whole time. So I hope you guys do that with us. It was so much fun. Um, we covered so many different topics about modern fucking dating and like the bullshit that that brings along um, and really just ridiculous stories from all of our lives. It's always fun when we get three people on the podcast. I don't do it often because it can tend to be hectic, but this was so well worth it and so much fun. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. So sit back and enjoy this, uh, this fun girl talk episode with the dateable girls. Julie and Yue, welcome to FML Talk. I'm very excited to get into this threesome today. How, how the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> never had a threesome on an afternoon, but for the record, I've never had a threesome period. So. <laughs> I love that you had to state that like, but actually I've never had one period. So. <laughs> well, by this definition, we have them all the time, Yue. Right. <laughs> um, well, I have had a threesome in real life, but I have not done a lot of threesomes on the podcast. So I'm excited to get into this today. <laughs> we are too. <laughs> so can you guys, one of you, give us a little kind of rundown on what your guys' podcast is? I know we've done a podcast swap because I love the content that you put out on your show, but just give everybody a little bit of background on who each of you are and how you came to do the podcast together. Sure. I mean, at the most fundamental level, it's all about modern dating. But we realize modern dating bleeds into every other facet of your life, whether you're single in a relationship, you're coupled off, you're throupled off, whatever the formation <laughs> that you're in. It's about human relationships. So in the 16 seasons, we've been doing our podcast. Holy shit. We've really right yeah yeah we started, we started 2016 yep wow you guys i'm on season five and i'm exhausted like are you guys okay <laughs> you know dating content just never ends is what we learned jesus never ends. that's barely alive <laughs> yeah but at least we can say we are totally different people now since oh, yeah. doing the podcast we date totally differently we do relationships totally differently we look at love completely differently mm. so it's partly therapy for us and partly <laughs> entertainment but our main message is you're not in this alone whether yeah. you're in or out of relationships you're not in it you're not in any of that alone 
That's right. I love that. We like to call ourselves active daters turned dating sociologists. <laughs> nice. Because that truly is like what we're looking at is we're trying to understand why do we date the way that we do? And especially in today's world, you know, with technology, with just the abundance of options, it's a whole different game. And a lot of our thought patterns and the way we date are rooted back to the old way of doing things and more traditional norms. And it's a struggle sometimes to kind of unlearn your learnings, essentially. Of yeah. How do you start to figure out what do you really want and design the love life that you want versus what is it that you were told that you should want? Or how do you think love works? Like all this stuff, it's a constant unlearning. Totally. I totally agree. And I think sometimes of like the earlier generations that came before us, like I'll say things to my mom and she's like, what the fuck, Gabrielle? <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is actually like very common in today's society. But it's to look back at like, you know, some of those older ways of dating and doing relationships that you mentioned, it seems foreign and crazy to us to have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. So like, imagine mm -hmm. what it's like for our parents and Ugh. our grandparents that are like, you know, we, we were talking the other day about, you know, a potential gender reveal. And my mom was like, what the fuck is a gender reveal? Like, <laughs> I don't that's understand how you, what, how do you set fires? Doing right. That's exactly right. what she said. She was like, these fucking millennials, they're just out setting fires in the forest. Like, I don't understand. What are some of the key things like that comes up a lot when you guys are discussing the older ways of mm -hmm. dating and doing relationships that you need to unlearn because I'm really interested in that. This looks like one size fits all approach. If you mm. look at any of the rom-coms from the 90s, if you look at uh, any of the relationship advice books, it's all the same advice. And it's always based on some sort of very heteronormative gender roles, mm -hmm. very binary rules. This is what you must do. You got to wait three days. You can't right. be the one to be reaching out first. And it just doesn't work for everybody. This one size fits all approach. Also, the game playing is just yeah. so, so from generations ago. It's like so antiquated, you know, game yeah. playing does not get you true love. Yeah, I totally agree. And in today's world, too, it's like no one has time for the games, right? There's a 100 people at your fingertips. If you're going to be playing the game, someone's moving on. They're not what? waiting to play this game. 100%. And what I always tell, you know, my girlfriends, because they'll always come to me for advice for better or worse. And I'm very straightforward. Like I did the bullshit games in like high school and left them there after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you guys, if you're doing the whole, oh, I'm going to wait for this person to text me and then I'm going to be coy and then I'm going to like maybe keep dating someone else to like make sure that they don't relax in the relationship. It's like by the time you're done playing all these fucking games, this person doesn't even like you. He likes this no. version of you. Yeah. Yeah. That created and presented to them. And then it's like, so now you're four months into the relationship and yeah, you've like technically bagged him and you're, you're in right. the relationship and you're like, yeah, I got him. But like, now you have to like start to show your true colors and be like, oh shit, well, this is yeah. actually who I really am. Do you like this person <laughs> yeah. too? It's such a you're mess. You're an artist. We yes. actually talk about this all the time as people show their date selves. It's this mm. formulated version. And I think a lot of it is we think that that's the way that it works, right? right. We read the rules. Mm -hmm. We know the steps. But it doesn't work that way. You just end up being inauthentic. I remember for so many years, 
like my friends were just like, I don't understand. Like you're a social person. You get along with people. Like why is dating so difficult? Mm. But I was doing all these things like I'm not going to tell them I had a good time because I don't mm-hmm. want to be the first one. Right. It's like that, that's not how I acted in any other part of life. Like why was I doing this and dating? But yeah. you're told that's what you do and that's how it works. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that fit into that category as well. Like they put on the dating persona. Yeah. When I went on my first date with my now fiance. I mean, by the time this airs, he'll probably be my husband. <laughs> and when we went on our first date, I first of all, didn't think it was a date. And so I showed up in like Lululemon leggings and a sweatshirt, no makeup on and proceeded to like word vomit about my exes for like (laughs) like the crazy situation that I had gone through for like the fucking whole two hours. And but like I was so raw and so authentic and I was like dropping F-bombs and like just like not giving a shit about how I presented. And that motherfucker left that date and was like, that's the woman I'm going to marry. Yeah, he's like, love at first sight. (laughs) No, but that that is so, you know, I think that is what it is, though. We present ourselves and it's not Mm -hmm. the real version. Also, like rom-coms totally fucked us in the sense that it's an unrealistic expectation of what relationships are. Like Jerry Maguire, you complete me? Like, no, that's not true. Fuck that. Well, and (laughs) also I'm going to start throwing some of my friends under the bus, but I won't name them for obvious reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I had... I had this one girlfriend who was always like, I refuse to get on dating apps because I am going to bump into my significant other at a Barnes and Noble mm -hmm. while drinking a latte. And I was like, bitch, you are going to be reading a lot of fucking books because that's not how that shit happens. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, sometimes can really authentic, cute meets happen. Totally. Absolutely. But rom-coms fucked us up the ass because they were like, Mm -hmm. no, no, you don't have to get online to meet someone. You don't have to be set up on a blind date. Like you can casually be strolling and bump into someone, lock eyes and realize, oh, I'm going to have babies with this person. Let's go. Like, it's not how it happens in real life. That's exactly the problem is that these rom-coms and these antiquated dating rules, they all focus on getting into a relationship. They don't focus on staying in a relationship. Right, right. So you romanticize the whole climatic way you're going to meet someone and that story you're going to tell your kids when you get married. But hello, how do you fucking stay in that relationship and have it be a sustainable, healthy relationship? None of these movies talk about that. Yeah, 100%. I think the other piece, too, is, of course, if you bump into someone at the grocery store and you have a wonderful relationship, that's fantastic. We're not going to undermine that. But what we see people do is they put so much weight on the how they met story that they actually don't look at some of the real red flags and right. what we call the settling paradox. It's like they're so afraid to settle that they end up settling for bad treatment because mm-hmm. of this meat cute or the good on paper qualities or whatever it is that we've been told yeah. is what makes someone a, a desirable partner. Yeah. Oh my God. Case in point. So when I met my ex-husband who ended up cheating on me and like turned into like a Mm -hmm. horrible sociopath of a person we bumped into each other at a club I end up going over to his table with all of his friends and he looks at me and he's like don't think this is weird but is your name Gabrielle and I was like yeah like weird and he was like I was in a night school class with you back in high school and I remember 
when I saw the news about the boyfriend that I was with at the time, unfortunately passed in a car accident. He's like, I remember when I saw the news about your boyfriend and I wanted to like reach out to you. And I looked at your MySpace because it was that long ago. And of course (laughs) I'm sitting here going, oh my God, this is so endearing. Mm. And he like cares about my feet. Now I'm like, that's fucking stalker behavior. That's scary. Like what? That's weird. That's fucking weird. And so it's like, you're like, it's fate. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You get those love goggles on and you're like, oh, but this is going to be such a cute story to tell our kids one day. No, Mm -hmm. run, run. (laughs) It's love conquers all. They'll fight for you. You know, all the stories we were told that when you actually translate them, are kind of scary when you think right. about it. Right. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. I want to circle back to the whole presenting as someone different because I have one, again, one friend who shall rename nameless. And (laughs) I still, till this day, will see her with her significant other. And I'm like, do you ever like show up as I know you? Because it's it's the same as like, if she's at like a party or when she's around other people, it's like, the dial gets turned up and you know, like when you call people that you don't know, like if you're calling your kids school and you're like, hi, Mm. this is Mrs. So-and-so. And And it's like, that's not how you talk. You know, it's like, that's your customer (laughs) service voice. It's like, that is who presents whenever we're like in public settings or there's other people around. And then when it's just the two of us, it's like raw and authentic. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, does your boyfriend know that like there's two of you in there? Like, has he met the other one? It's kind of crazy to me how people can continuously do that, like beyond just the first few dates. And you've called her out. I have. (laughs) What did she say? What was her response? Just that it's like different energy and that it's, you know, a different energy with different people and that it's not, you know, something that's put on. It's just like her more you know, put together self, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, (laughs) I do 
I yeah. see how like we do all ha- we all have different sides, sure, but at the oh, totally. core, we're usually the same person. So, to me, that either means that you're adapting for some reason that you don't feel truly comfortable, mm-hmm. or you don't know yourself. You become like a dating right. chameleon, just merging to whoever. Yes, or it could I mean love that, that term, a dating chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> it could also point to some red flags in the relationship, and I'll give yeah. you this example. So back to how Julie and I first met. We met in San Francisco. I had just moved there from years in Beijing and New York. And and Julie had been dating in San Francisco for most of her adult life. So we had a lot to talk about because there was a lot of compare contrast. And we were deeply embedded in the social scene in SF. And we would go out all the time. But I remember when I first started dating my current partner, there was an event that Julie and I would go every year. I brought him to this event. And at the end of this event, Julie's like, you're acting different. Mm-hmm. Like there's something different about you. And I remember in that moment, I was like, I think this means that I am not feeling comfortable in this relationship right oh, now. Yeah. It was bringing up a lot of anxiety and insecurity where I felt like I couldn't be authentically me. Right. So that was a great, I was so glad that she called me out because to me, that was such a great way to surface something that was that I wasn't even privy to in my own relationship. Yeah, I think that's such a good point that you bring up that different odd behavior that you don't normally identify with as your own behavior is often a time to look within and be like, okay, what could this possibly be leaning me towards? Like really investigate that because that's a huge flag to be like, oh, okay, like what could be going on? And it's usually a much deeper meaning than just like, oh, I had more energy tonight. And right, you know, right, right. I mean, this shit stems deep too, right? Like we've yeah. all been dating or, you know, in another life, like when you're coming together with someone, let's say you're meeting in your 30s, that's 30 years of mm-hmm. your history and their history. It's hard to just somehow unlearn that, especially with these bad dating books and these rom-coms and all the way that society projects love and relationships. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't even consciously know that we're doing things. 100%. Yeah. That's subconscious bullshit, man. Just like runs our life and <laughs> Until we recognize it. Um, So you guys have talked in the past about the difference between chemistry and anxiety is. And I'm interested to dig into that topic a little bit because I think it's really interesting because anxiety and excitement can feel so similar. Like the feeling Mm -hmm. of absolute dread and not wanting to do something is very parallel to the feeling of being so excited, like you're about to walk out on stage and like accept the biggest award of your life, which is Mm -hmm. confusing as fuck. You think like the universe would be like, let's make these two really important feelings feel a little more different, but no. (laughs) So what do you think is the difference between chemistry and anxiety? You bring up such a good point is that they are like kind of two sides of the same coin. So it is hard to know sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to where is it coming from? Mm. A lot of times in dating, it goes back to our date self, right? We're trying to impress. We're trying to be liked. Is it coming from that? Like when you ask yourself when you went on a date, did they like me? Or is the conversation more around, did I like them? That's Mm. a very different dynamic of how you're approaching 
this date. So if right. it's coming from this place of validation and trying to win them over and be liked, a lot of times that's going to come from anxiety. But if it's genuine and you feel confident, like I remember when I first met my partner, I was in a really good place in my life that I was comfortable being single. I was okay with it. If that's what life was, it wasn't that bad. So when we first met, we had a really good time, but it was more the statement of, okay, if we see each other, great. If we don't, then I'll be okay. I'll move on. Mm -hmm. But when you're clung for that attention and, you know, reassurance through dating, a lot of times that's when you're staring at your phone, waiting for them to text. Yeah. That's when you're counting down the days. And I've been there before. So I remember this side very, very well. Yeah. And you're just expecting someone to do something opposed to living your life. And if they do it, then great. And it's almost this unsaid expectation that eats at you as you wait. Right. And I think that goes back to kind of like, if you're in a place where that person is adding to your life, it shouldn't feel like anxiety. You know what I mean? If like they're coming mm -hmm. in and you're like, I'm good, I'm solid, like I'm a fucking 10 out of 10. But if you want to come in and add to my life, great, let's do that and let's party. Then I feel like, it's more of the chemistry side. If you're not and you're looking for someone to kind of fill that void and you're like really desperate mm -hmm. to be in a connected relationship, then it's the anxiety side of the coin. And I feel like that's when people start to lean into the games and it's like, oh God, okay, well, he finally mm -hmm. texted yeah. me. Should I wait three days? Because it took him two days <laughs> to text me. And then like, <laughs> and it becomes this whole fucking shit show of just like giving each other the runaround instead of being straightforward. Right. I would argue that most chemistry felt by people stems from anxiety. Because really? when you look at when you, yes, when you question it from our research, I put that in air quotes because we've done <laughs> a lot of research with singles. We ask, oh, you felt chemistry with this person on your date. Why so? Oh, because he seems so mysterious because his life seems so elusive. I'm not sure when he's going to call me next or I'm not sure he was hard to read or she was hard to read. It, it was hard to understand if he or she liked me back. There was a right. lot of these question marks, which is what leads to anxiety. So yeah. therefore, we feel like that is where that chemistry comes from. It's from mm. that unknowing. Now, instead of chemistry, we should be looking for connection. Right. And you feel like when you come from a date and you say, I feel really deeply connected to that person, your friends may ask why. And you say, oh, we talked about something really meaningful for hours. Yeah. That's connection. That doesn't come from anxiety. We mm. focus so much on chemistry that yeah. we feel like if we don't feel the butterflies on a first date, you're not attracted. Yeah. And that's awful because it just means that you didn't get to a place of connectedness. Yeah. To feel any sort of chemistry. Yeah. I love that. And also like sometimes the butterflies are not like happy love butterflies they're like no. intuition like flap as hard as you can yeah. so she yes, runs run. away from this walking red flag yeah 100 percent. and all of the things you just listed like oh he was mysterious i don't really know if he liked me it was elusive like that all sounds fucking terrible like terrible you need to look at what if that's you you need to look at why you think those things are a good thing like there is nothing yeah. sexier than a man sitting down across from you and being like you seem awesome. I would love to call you after this. I'm going to call you after this. And like taking initiative and being very clear with like how he's feeling and where he's at so that you're not stuck playing a fucking guessing game. 
exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think you raised a really good point, UA, because like what I was talking about earlier, when you're at ease with yourself and you're coming into dating, not as, you know, a validation, but more as additive, oftentimes you aren't feeling chemistry. It is that connection. It's more of that calm. And that's because you're looking for that. You're turned off by the people that are playing these games. Like that isn't attractive anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a very important place to get to. Even when my girlfriends call me and will like repeat some of the games that are going on, I'm like, why is this fun for either of you? Like, right. that sounds horrible. <laughs> like, you guys should this both just exhausting. like shake yeah. hands and walk away now. Like, call <laughs> it a loss early on. Like, let's not waste any more time, guys. <laughs> yeah, like, some I, of the qualities we describe people when we first meet someone and we describe why we're attracted to them. I would challenge you all to map that against an actual relationship. Would you want to use those same descriptors for your partner? Yes. Oh, he seems so mysterious. Would you want to be dating someone that you want to describe as mysterious? Right. Oh, he, his life is so busy. He's traveling all the time. Would you want to be dating someone who's traveling all the time and never home? It's like the things that we look for in early dating are not what we look for in a relationship. They don't map against each other at all. Oh my God, that's such a good point. I hope everybody really hears that loud and fucking clear. And like with anxiety too, I don't want to undermine actual anxiety because that is a very real thing. And I admit, like I still get anxiety. I always in dating, I got anxiety if I was going to get like that text back or like Mm. the plans would happen. But the key is finding someone that doesn't give you that anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like from an early point, a big part of it was that I started to shift what I was looking for to focus on someone that was more consistent over like fun because those types of people end up being the ones that give you the anxiety and you think it's chemistry yeah so that was a big part is shift what you're actually looking for in the first place that doesn't mean you're sacrificing on other aspects you're just paying attention more to how you feel with that and also like I remember telling my partner that okay there's a lot of things the one thing I have is texting if I don't hear back for a couple hours I do get anxiety And he met me. He's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll be conscious of it. Yeah. So I think that we can't say that we're never going to have anxiety in dating. That might not be realistic, especially if you are someone that is predisposed to anxiety. Yeah. But it's how do you recognize it, manage it, and talk about it and look at what matters in a partner and who's going to bring it out or not. Yeah, 100%. The communication is so like half the time someone doesn't even know it's an issue. And if you just let them know, they can start to like do things to appease it if they're the right person for you. The whole not texting back and taking forever, like I have girlfriends that do that and I want to shake them. Like if I don't answer (laughs) a text message in like, an hour and a half to two hours, I'm dead and you should send someone to my house. (laughs) Like, I just don't get why people it's like, and you know, not to throw men under the bus, but men come up with like the stupidest excuses. And then women will be like, appeasing those excuses like, oh, he's been really busy. And he's had, (laughs) you know, like, tests at school and he had to take care of his mom and you know it's been like really difficult at work and it's you know when you're with the right person they can be doing all of those things and like 10 others and still find time to text you throughout the day because they fucking want to if they want to they will so stop excusing bare minimum (laughs) fucking behavior please 
<laughs> we always say we're like, you don't need to be your date's PR agent. Uh-uh. You don't yeah. need to sit there and justify uh-uh. bad behavior. And I think that's why it's so important to get clear of what matters to you, because then you can at least objectively spot it and decide, okay, this isn't really what I want. Yes, absolutely. So let's, from bare minimum behavior, let's talk about situationships because I get <laughs> the DMs. Definition. <laughs> I get DMs about situationships all the fucking time. And people are like, well, now I'm in a situationship. How do I make it a relationship? How do I like change now that it's already like five months in and he's comfortable mm-hmm. just having sex with me? So wh- how can we start to recognize like bare minimum behavior and taking off of those love goggles so we don't end up fucking ourselves in the long run. (laughs) I think first and foremost, you have to know yourself so well because so many of us suffer from what we call cool girl syndrome, CGS, where you're like in the beginning of getting into a situationship, you're like, no, it's cool. Let's keep it casual. I'm not looking for anything serious. Let's see where this goes. If you know yourself well enough to know that none of your situationships ever end well protect yourself from the beginning and say let's sure let's see where things go I do want to explore this but there will be a point where we probably need to move this to out of a situationship into a relationship I want to make that clear it's not tomorrow but it's eventually so if your feelings change or you decide that you no longer want to take us in that direction let me know. Let's keep each other updated. Situationships are this layover that people get stuck in and they can't find their destination. They're like, where's my next flight? I don't know. I'm just yeah. staying in this layover forever. And it's the worst situation, no pun intended, but it's the worst situation you can put yourself in because you're constantly in limbo and you are compromising your own needs to yeah. just come off as cool and chill. Yeah, which never... Yeah like works out for you in the long run. I love the, the the analogy of having a layover. You're like, bitch, I was trying to get to Hawaii and I've been in fucking <laughs> yeah. Texas for four months now. Like I'm in Idaho. That is the <laughs> definition of a situation ship right there. I've been in Texas for four months now. <laughs> I love it. And I don't even know when situation ships became a thing. Like it used <sighs> to be, oh, we're dating. Mm. And then we friends like benefits. We put a label on it. Right. I guess it's like the new improved version of friends yeah. with benefits. Because you were never friends anyways I think it's just got a label I feel like this has been around forever so UA and I that we think one of the biggest problems in modern dating is what we call relationship chicken basically that no one wants to you know put themselves out there no one wants to show their cards make that move they're doing the exact opposite of what they actually want they want to have a monogamous relationship yet they're hedging their bets by dating 10 people at once to protect themselves with situationships no one wants to have that conversation because you fear that the other person is gonna reject you or not meet your needs or not be there on the same page. But like we said, being in that layover is so much worse because you're now just living in a fantasy of a relationship and you're cutting yourself off to having an actual relationship. I don't know about you two, but I feel like anytime I've been in one of these situationships before they were called situationships, I was not open to actual people that would be a good partner. I was stuck on this person that wasn't giving me what I ultimately wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we've talked a lot about this on the show before. 
when you're attracting those people, it's because you have those subconscious beliefs that Mm -hmm. your brain is trying to attract these people to play out those fucked up scenarios in different ways Mm -hmm. so that your brain can be like, see, see that belief that we think about, like, it's true. It's true. Instead Mm -hmm. of just healing that shit and attracting someone different and healthy. So I'm so right there with you on that. Yeah. Or it's that we're not really ready for a relationship. I remember when I was in a situationship, my best friend was just like, you say you want a relationship, but I don't think you do because you wouldn't be in this if you actually wanted a relationship. Yeah. And we just think it's the default that we're supposed to be in a relationship or it's something to fit in with our friends because everyone else is pairing off. Yeah. Maybe it's just getting clear that like you either don't want that right now or realizing that you have some work to do to heal some of this past stuff that's preventing you from being in an actual relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that. How would you guys give some tips on demanding your worth, whether it's like being stuck in a situationship or going into something new and really wanting to kind of set those boundaries to make sure you're being treated the way that you want to be treated? Well, the last thing you want to do is to abruptly ask, what are we doing? What are we here? (laughs) Are we just going to be like this forever? Because this happens. We build up that resentment because we haven't been communicating our needs along the way. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you blow up and ask, what are we? The ultimate question. So one of the biggest pieces of advice we would give people is keep people updated along the way. If you're starting to catch more feelings, let that person know. And if they're scared off by that, they were not right for you anyway. Thank you. Right, Say right? it again for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> you want someone who is aligned with your feelings, not mm-hmm. someone who you are scared to scare. I mean, you think that you have to walk on eggshells around because yeah. you don't want to scare them off. That's not the person you want to be with. Again, map that to an actual relationship Would you want to be with someone like that? The second piece of advice we would give to people is when you have the conversation, start with the positive. You know, you're not demanding a a relationship. You're saying, I really like spending time with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually want to spend more time with you. And by doing that, I would love more of a commitment, like in the form of relationship where we currently are, it's undefined. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel uneasy, but I would feel so much more comfortable. And I think I could allow myself to like you even more if we had something to find. Yeah. Simple. And it comes from a place of love and not from a place of, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah. 100%. Honestly, I don't think it's demanding at all, right? Like the second you find yourself demanding, you're probably not in the right relationship or situationship (laughs) or whatever it is. I I really think it's getting clear of what you want and not being the cool girl anymore or whatever is hiding your actual needs. Getting crystal clear. We like to call it, a you know, people say they're, they're taking a dating sabbatical when they get frustrated by dating. <laughs> we like to say, take a dating vacation, you know, yes. use that time intentionally. Don't just uninstall the apps, but get clear about what is it you actually want. And how freaking awesome you are. Because, you know, if you start to believe that too, like we said earlier, you're not going to have the tolerance for these people that are not meeting you. And it's like shedding the date layer again. Like if you had a friend and they weren't, let's say they were flaking all the time on plans and you've been friends for a while, you probably would just talk to them about it. 
Right. So why can't we do that with our dates? Like even if we haven't yeah. been dating super long, it doesn't have to be a confrontation. It can just be a conversation. And we always are afraid to do that. We're like, we can't bring things up or we can't state what we actually want. <laughs> I was guilty of this for years that like I always thought it was like this big deal. So I would just like suppress it. And then mm-hmm. you get resentful. But the more you can just say it and say it in a calm way that's stating what you actually want, then you see if someone can meet you. And if they can't, then you move on. You don't need to demand anything. Yes. Amen. It's like literally it just comes back to communication and ask mm-hmm. for what you want. Give them a chance to meet that. And if not, thanks. Yeah. Nice to see you. Goodbye. It's like very simple. Someone else will. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Thank you next. That's right. Okay. So you guys have been doing this podcast for 16 years, which is shocking to me. Season. Not 16. Seven years. Sorry, sorry. 16 seasons. <laughs> You're like, thanks. To, We'd be wait, real wait legit if we were 16 <laughs> We years. started yeah. when we were 10. <laughs> 16 seasons. So I can imagine <sighs> that you would have at least one kind of outrageous or ridiculous dating story. Does any come to mind? And I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. I hate when people are like, can you give us a time? And I'm like, oh, God. But do you have any like kind of ridiculous dating stories? I have one that comes to mind. Great. So take it away, Julie. Go. No, actually, we first started doing this more as dating stories. And we realized yeah. that people always thought their stories were more interesting than they really were. And we pivoted more to like talking about topics that are more applicable to all. But, but there was one that does stand out to me that actually happened to a friend of UA and I's. Okay. And she went on this date. <laughs> and it was a second date. So they'd already met each okay. other. I know which one. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they already knew each other. But, you know, it was already off to a bad start. I remember actually being with her that day. And it was around five o'clock. She hadn't heard from him. No confirmation where they were going. It was this loose plan. You know, like when if you have a date, but do you have a date? It's very right. confusing. Right. Where it really doesn't need to be. I don't know why it's so hard. <laughs> Anyways, she already kind of went in being like, oh, I'm annoyed by this guy, which is also a not a great place to be when you're starting off a date that way. Eventually, he came through with a plan and it was to go to a corn dog festival at this like, what would you call it? Like it was like street yeah, like outdoor. A, yeah. Food yeah, truck like place. Food truck okay. place. Yeah. Okay. So it's outdoors, which is key to the story. So, anyways, she goes to the corn dog contest or whatever it was, already annoyed, already like this guy took forever to come up with a plan. And this is his plan. We're going right. to eat corn dogs. Anyways, she goes, <laughs> they're sitting, eating their corn dog, and she can like feel that, you know, it's not going super well. Like there, she's annoyed by him. It's just not jiving super well. But anyways, he goes to the bathroom and I remember texting her being like, how is the state? And she's like, oh, it was okay. I don't know. It's not the best. He's in the bathroom right now though. So I got to go. And then like 20 minutes later, she texts me back and she said, he never came back from the bathroom. Mm. He basically just what we nah. call bathroom bailed. And because it was an outdoor venue that there was no like, wait, like he didn't have to oh come back God. through a door. And then he eventually <laughs> texted her and was just like, we both know this isn't a match. So I left. Whoa, <laughs> what a dick move, dude. I was like, going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, did he eat a bad corn dog? Is he shitting his brains right, out in right. the bathroom? What a dick move. Like, just be like, hey, yeah. 
Let's yeah. wrap know it up. This isn't working, right? Like he, she wasn't super into it. It was clear. Right. Just, Come back and talk about it. Yeah. And now they're married. No, shut up. (laughs) Can you imagine? People are out out there looking for their cute meat and they're just like, just just keep going. You might end up at a corn festival and it'll be fucked from the beginning, but then you'll be married. And he'll leave you. It's the bathroom. Everyone's like, wait, you're going to the bathroom? Are you going to come back? Yeah, can I go with you? (laughs) Oh, my God. She's like, I now have abandonment issues anytime we're in a public place. Great. Right, right. Yeah, nobody can ever go to the bathroom in front of me. Um, Oh, my God. I love it. That's great. That was was a really great. That was the one I was thinking of, too, Julie, right away. Uh, Always that one. But I think uh, another standout episode that we did. So we, we did one episode with a woman who was dating someone who was into diapers. So this guy had a diaper fetish. Wait, I'm, so so she, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he, he really liked women wearing diapers. It like really turned him on. And she, this was her first time encountering oh. this. So we well, interviewed yeah, her and kind I of hope her. So. <laughs> It was her experience. It was very lighthearted and also just like fascinating hearing it from her perspective. And after that episode airs, we get an anonymous email from a guy saying, I want to tell my side of the story as someone with a diaper fetish because she told it from the receiving end. I like to explain why oh, I have a diaper fetish. My God. Not the same, so, not the same not guy. The same not the same guy. Not the okay. same guy. Which so this is like multiple great. fucking weird people out there. Okay, great. Oh, Good to know. We get messages all the time all for the time. people. Like, I don't know oh, yeah. if we're just coming up first in SEO for diaper fetishes, but we always get oh, yeah. messages for people. Oh my God. How do you think we last a 16 years? Okay. Dead, Thank you, dead. diaper 16 fetish. 16 years. We've oh, known. Yeah. <laughs> so we have him on the show because we're like let's do it right? right and he's at the time we didn't use video it was just all audio he didn't want to give us his name or anything like that but we get on the call with him and he sounded fucking hot i like i you know how some people just have a really hot voice yeah me and julie were doing the recording together and we're like damn it sounds hot Oh my! And God. we're having this conversation with him. He like works in finance, totally normal <laughs> upbringing. He's like, I was not, I'm not your typical, like someone with a, a kinky fetish. Um, That's not with, like, kinky. That's fucking weird. <laughs> I'm sorry to be judgmental, but like, and I need to know so many details. Like, do they like you to be naked in the diaper or is it like, yes, I want, so- I want you to wear it under your clothes. So no one else knows shit. Like well, we have they're... a full episode. If you want to listen to it. <laughs> I'm there's definitely there are many different degrees of a diaper fetish. His preference was just, you know, like once a quarter that his fiance would put on some diapers and walk around the house. She could be do, like doing chores or just like sitting there watching TV. It really turned him on. And he can actually remember the first time he saw something like a commercial on TV when I was a, when he was a kid and it was a spoof or something and a woman was wearing a diaper and it really turned him on. He was like really into it. I wish listeners so he, could see Gabrielle's face right now. I'm so <laughs> horrified right now. So his, I mean, his only thing was like, I'm not trying to fuck her in a diaper. I just really enjoy seeing her, the aesthetic of watching my fiance walking around in a diaper. We get off that call and Julie and I had such like a real conversation. <laughs> We're like, okay, if we meet the man of our dreams <laughs> and he's normal in every aspect and he has like a great family, a great job and he's hot, 
And all he wants us to do is just wear a diaper like once a quarter. I fucking do it. I will put on a fucking diaper for him. We both said that in unison. We're like, "Ah, maybe it's not that bad anymore because we can't end up the same way that you did. Oh my God. Okay. Well, the the first thing that it makes me think about not to go too dark is like, does he have kids and like, does he change their diapers? And like that, I don't know. It's just a little creepy to me that it's like, he does someday. Child. We should do a follow up episode. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, who knows? You're right. That's a little worrisome to me. I've never, I've heard some weird shit that might top it for me. I mean, does <laughs> did he say if he liked them to like use the diaper? Did he want them to like Mm-mm. soil the diaper? No, he it's didn't, just, but some people do. Yeah, yeah. Some people do. Yes. He just liked the <laughs> aesthetics of looking at a woman in a diaper. Gabrielle's I'm facial expressions so- are killing me right now. I'm killing so me. so disturbed, you guys. Oh my God. What a way to fucking end this episode. Okay. Can you guys tell everybody, tell everyone where the diaper episode exists. Tell everybody where the podcasts are and where they can find each of you on social media, please. Well, you can always go to our website. It's Dateable Podcast. It's dateablepodcast.com. And you can search for diaper fetish part one and diaper diaper fetish part two. I'm dead. Or put it into Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. And then at Dateable Podcast, we no, I was gonna say we don't have a video. I thought we maybe did, but he wouldn't let us do any videos. But we have many other videos. videos. No, I can no, see we can why. reenact it, I guess. <laughs> Oh my God. Unbelievable. And what is your personal social media so people can come find you guys as well? So you can find us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and that links out to our personals. And we have a very small following on TikTok. It's also at Dateable Podcast. You can just go on just to laugh at how small our following is. Awesome. I love it. And I am petitioning to get a diaper video posted in the near future. We we'll will do it for you, it with you, just for you, <laughs> Thank Gabrielle. You. Thank you. Thank you for being here, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Gabrielle. <laughs>I want to thank UA and Julie so much for coming on. Make sure if you guys loved this episode, go check out their podcast, Dateable. I did a guest spot on their show a while back, which was also wildly fun. So you can go search for that. Um, And it's just a fun show that they have, I mean, obviously tapped into the horror stories of dating and relationships and all of that bullshit. Um, So if you are loving all of that type of content, head over to their show and check it out. I hope you guys laughed along with us and I will see you all next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatprayfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. 
we will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.